Hello and welcome to the Good Robot Andes. Um, my name is Andy Braylon. And Hang this on, what, is... what season? What season and episode is this? Oh, do I have to do? I have to do that first. We always do that first. Oh, see, I didn't. Uh, normally, we waffle a bit before we start recording. And I didn't do it. <laughs> okay. So, all right. So, uh, welcome to the Good Robot Andes. This is season five, episode eight. Oh, is it really? I'm already into episode eight. Um, my name is Andy Balaam, and this is... Andy Cockerill. And this is a special season, season five, where we're counting down the best horror films of the 20th century, and we have now entered the top ten, because today we are doing numbers nine, eight, and seven. Yeah. We're on to, presumably... Um, Utter classics, unquestionable classics. We are into stuff. We, we're into movies now that everybody will have heard of, and probably most people will have seen. Yes, but will they accept that they are the best horror of the twentieth century? I think we can honestly say that they are. Yes, mm, I think you can. Well, I think I can because it's my list. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see what, how I feel, and then we'll see how the listener feels. Yes, we will. Do we have any feedback from listener? Um, I had some feedback from Daniel. Oh, via WhatsApp. Oh, now get you on WhatsApp. Uh, what did he say? I don't know why I'm saying that. I'm on WhatsApp as well. <laughs> <laughs> what did he say? He said, um, "Yeah, he, he he was enjoying you rolling back quickly from saying how much you liked nine and a half weeks." <laughs> Did I run, did I did I walk that back? Did I? I can't remember <laughs> that's, that. That's, that's what he said. <laughs> As you started to paint yourself into a corner. Maybe I did. Yeah, maybe I did. I, I mean, I do remember enjoying it, mm-hmm. um, but it's not a great movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Ridley Scott light. Right, right, not, not, right okay. you know Ridley Scott light. I'd say. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, yeah. There you go. But um, honestly, yeah, I don't remember walking that back. I'm gonna to have to go back and re-listen and and <laughs> and listen. To well, that. maybe he's putting his own interpretation on it. Um, anyway, yeah. So that's um, solid evidence that a human being listened to at least one episode of the Good Robot Andes. Fantastic. Uh, I, didn't we have some feedback from Kathy as well, who's a, a oh. very ardent listener of the show? Yeah. Oh, is it? Uh, have we not touched on the scream stuff? No. No. Oh, yeah, yeah. She she commented about scream. Let me see if I can find it. Yeah, she's catching up with the um, best horror of the 20th century. Oh, that's the other thing Daniel said. This is very important. What Daniel said was, we should do a live broadcast because he wants to send feedback. He was he was listening to it and then sending me WhatsApps. Oh, wow. Um, uh, he wants to he wants us to do a live episode, perhaps for our, like, anniversary or something. How? And okay. Then, uh, and then we'll, get, we'll, get, we'll get talk live about feedback. That, so, I mean, yeah, we'd have to figure out the technology. I'm sure yeah. we could do it. But I am deeply sceptical that our one listener is going <laughs> to, like, agree a time well, with us and actually be online for that. So, so presumably it's just going to be Daniel saying, loving the show, guys, long, <laughs> for two hours. Yeah. So, listener, if you're interested <laughs> in uh, in uh, trying to in, – in basically a slightly worse than usual – significantly worse than usual episode as we deal with new technology – and we spend most of the episode just reading the chat because we're no good at reading at the same time as talking. Terrible. If, if that sounds good to you, then uh, get in touch with us and help us organise a time when you'll be available. Because frankly, we're not just going to like 
say oh we're doing a live episode at <laughs> such and such a time and then no one turns up but also if um, you know how these things work you could advise us on the best approach we could take to do a live episode yeah i think a bit of a bit of duck duck going and we'll find out how you can broadcast i think we can manage that there's got to be a way to do um, it isn't there yeah several podcasts i listen to have done that i'm sure someone's written a blog post about it it cannot but, be um, beyond our our ken yeah but or more importantly We'd have to have some uh, belief that anyone is going to turn up for, yeah. in order for us to do it. So it seems unlikely. But, uh, you know, yeah. if a whole flood of people say they will turn up, then if maybe we'll If you broadcast it. it, they will come. Yeah, if you broadcast it, they may listen to it several weeks later. And go, oh, was that live? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Yes, it was live. It was live. Well, it might be. <laughs> we were, <laughs> it might we be were, live. We had a number of um, automated chatbots... In an IRC so, channel um, somewhere to make us feel. What's the scream thing? What's the the scream feedback that we have from Cathy? Yeah. Oh, are you, are you, sorry. You're tired of that bit. Back on topic. Okay. Come on. <laughs> Let's crack on. Yeah. Um, yeah. Cathy said, just catching up with the podcast. If Scream is out, I think she realises Scream that is it, not going to be in the top out. nine. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Uh, can you justify which of your chosen films? Is as deliciously self-referential. Um, Kathy thinks Scream is clever. Yep. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> How do you feel um, about that? Self-referential. Well, I think that lots of people think that Scream is clever. Mm-hmm. Um, I think mainly because Wes Craven directed it. Wes Craven is a horror legend. Yes, he is. Um, who may or may not have a movie on the list. Yes. I mean, he probably has, right? You know, um, because he's a horror legend. If it was uh, my list, he'd have one. I'm just looking through the list, and I can't really see anything that's as 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 up itself as Scream is. A Scream is. Um, well, I don't know whether Evil Dead is coming, but I think Evil Dead is um, at least. I mean, it's not. It's not like post ironic, but it's definitely laughing at itself. Uh, you could well be right there. Shall we move on? Shall we move on to number nine, and then we can discuss that very topic? Uh, yeah. So I think I think Kathy, what we're saying is none of them, but being self-referential isn't uh, the qualification required to be in the best thirty horror films of the twentieth century. No. What? Well, but then again, we haven't really discussed how you do qualify. But hopefully, you've got a feel for it by now. Yeah, I think, I think something uh, we could let's just touch on that. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of like the qualification process, mm-hmm. is that something that is influential and iconic? Mm-hmm. Um, and it has also, to be a bit scary, right? It's not going to yes, get in the top ten if it's not a bit scary. Yes, absolutely. So you know, even um, don't look now, which I would say is actually pretty scary, mm-hmm. but isn't what you would consider to be a traditional horror movie, but still mm-hmm. manages to scare the pants off you and feel very, very unsettled mm-hmm. after watching it. Um, all the way through to, you know, massive amounts of bloodletting and stuff like The Science of the Lambs, or I'm just looking through the list here to see where else there's been massive amounts of bloodletting. Hellraiser. Yeah, that's probably the bloodiest movie on the list. Mm, interesting, though, because I think you, you, you look down on screen because it's quite mainstream. I do. But Hellraiser yes. is one of the more mainstream films on this I list. I don't think it is all that mainstream, actually. I think it's quite an indie 
it's got a very indie sensibility to it. I wouldn't have said that it made a lot of money when it was released. However, <coughs> excuse me, having said that, it did spawn a plethora of diminishing return sequels. <laughs> That's always a good sign. Which is always a good sign of a yeah. of a franchise, yeah. So what, so I, th- I, what I think about Scream is, I really enjoyed it. At the time, I, I thought it was really good, and I mm. haven't seen it for ages. Uh, maybe if I watched it again, I'd think, oh, yeah, it is really good. Or maybe if I watched it, I'd just think, well, with a little bit more distance, uh, it's just a bog-standard slasher film that that refers to slasher films in it. Mm. Which is okay. That's okay. Yeah. It's funny and, and clever. Yeah. Would it be in my top 30? You know, it might be. It, I quite liked it. Yeah, but, but I'd have all kinds of things. So my top 30 is weird because I'd probably have... I know what you did last summer. Oh come on! My top thirty. <laughs> That's not Which, a good film. I mean, uh, objectively, it's awful. It's terrible. <laughs> but you know, it's I love those films. I don't think you can have a film in the list if you quite liked it. I think you've got to be like, I'd watch this again and again and again and never get bored of it. Right. You could do that with Scream. Mm, could you though? <laughs> yeah. It's okay. all right. All right. I mean, I could do that with I Know What You Did Last Summer. Could you, though? And uh, I still know what you did last summer. I, oh, there's a sequel, wasn't there? Yeah. Yeah. With a very unimaginative top. I still know. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, I still know. Yeah. Mm. What's the... Maybe we'll get to it, but I don't think we will. What's the film where they're on top of a pyramid in South America? Oh, that's terrific. The Ruins. The Ruins. I really liked that. Yeah. It's quite messed up, isn't it? That's sort of a slasher film. Kind of, I don't know. It's kind of a slasher movie, isn't it? And then and that that one reminds me of The Hole, which is one of my favourites. The yeah, Hole would be in the list. I, I'm going to have one. to make my list, yeah. aren't I? Yeah, but they're not 2000s. You're going you're gonna to have to do a... Um, oh, is that too new? You're going to have to do a list of the, of the, of the 20th century so far. 21st century. To That's the one those. we're in. Uh, well, yes, we are, listener. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, oh, uh, oh! Is is the whole not in twentieth century? I don't think so. Probably isn't. You're probably right. Don't think so. In that case, you see that. Well, maybe some of the things that I'm feeling are missing uh, are not missing because they're in the wrong century. Two thousand and one. Oh, just missed it. Yeah, there was also a Joe Dante movie called The Hole from two thousand and nine, which I have seen and and enjoyed. All right. Yeah. We should probably... I mean, we're 11 minutes in. Mm-hmm. Um, I just had a treat because um, Andy's fingers are quite near the camera, so when he typed just then, they, he had massive fingers. <laughs> but yeah. listen, you can't see that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing it again. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, so, um, I'm using uh, a special up-the-nose <laughs> webcam for this call. <laughs> I can see... I mean, the nose is quite small, but I can see right up it. There it is. <laughs> I've read reviews uh, of this laptop where people have said it's a fantastic laptop, but why is the camera placed where it is? Up the nose. It just looks up your nose. <laughs> anyway, that's not strictly relevant. So can you tell us what uh, number film nine. is number nine? Of okay, the number nine. Best horror of the 20th number century. Number nine is from 1987. Okay. It's an American comedy horror film. Okay. Well, we've already had um, American Werewolf in London. Yes. Comedy horror. Mm. 
I can't believe this is from 1987, though. It's incredible. No. Where's uh, the time gone? I'm not getting it. It's the Evil Dead 2. Or Evil Dead 2, to give it its proper title. What a film. What a film. Is that comedy horror? Oh, yeah. Oh. Is I mean, it it's ever? funny. It's gut-bustingly funny. And it's then incredibly horrible. funny. Yes. But I've never thought of it as comedy. It's definitely comedy horror. Yeah. Okay. So, this was a tough choice. Um, because uh, this is the sequel, or kind of a remake, of yeah. The Evil Dead. It's a sort of quasi-remake quasi quasi of The Evil Dead. Um, I think The Evil Dead is a problematic movie. Uh-huh. In that uh, it was um, banned in the UK, or at least the BBFC refused to give it a certificate on home video. Mm-hmm. Because of a scene where a tree molests a young woman, it's a video nasty. It's from the time where they, that was a phrase. Yes, it is. Yeah, it, it was recut and eventually released on video without that scene in it. Right, I but don't you, know what I've seen. I must have seen. You must Evil have Dead. seen the Evil Dead. You must have seen it. So I think it's a problematic movie. I think that it is very inventive, uh, but I think that it has a nasty streak running through it that quite a misogynist streak running through it that I can't really get on board with. Mm-hmm. Uh, Are you talking about the first one, right? Yes. Yeah, or the second one? Yeah, the first one, yeah. Yeah, okay. Uh, but this movie, Evil Dead 2, redeems pretty much all of that with um, by paring down the cast quite a lot. Basically remaking the same story. So uh, the story is that uh, a character called Ash, played by the legendary Bruce Campbell, mm-hmm. Ash Williams, in fact, his name is, um, he goes to stay in a cabin in the woods with his girlfriend. And whilst he's there, they decide to play a tape and they find a creepy book uh, that seems to be made of human skin, bound in human skin. <laughs> they play a tape that goes, Kanda, Kanda, Morada, Naktu. And then everything just goes completely nuts and mm-hmm. the deadites are released um, deadites. Deadites. <laughs> yeah. His his girlfriend gets possessed, uh-huh. and uh, he uh, is forced to um, do horrible things to her to in order to um, stop her from trying to kill him with a chainsaw. Mm-hmm. And what ensues is just incredible, full on uh, horror in which you can have blood, but it can be any colour as long as it's <laughs> not red. <laughs> Um, it's an incredible movie, Evil Dead 2. It, it's the, in terms of um, how good it makes you feel when you watch it, because everybody in it is just turned up to 11. There's a joy. There is an absolute there's joy in it, yeah. Yeah. Um, and there's you can see the influence of um, the Three Stooges. So Sam Raimi is a big fan of the, of the Three Stooges. This is directed mm-hmm. by Sam Raimi, who would go on to make <clears throat> what I would consider to be quite forgettable movies, like the Spider-Man trilogy for Sony. Did he make the first Evil Dead? He did, and he he made all three of them. So there's a okay. there's a sequel okay. to this one called Army of Darkness. Yeah, which I think fine. is it's okay. I was very well, that, underwhelmed by. Yeah, it. I think it's worse than fine, actually. Worse than fine? You think it's okay? Yeah. I think it below, is okay. Below fine. Um, but this movie, this Evil Evil Dead Two, is. A phenomenal piece of work. 
I think it's one of the funniest movies. Yeah, the energy never lets up. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Some of the scenes are incredibly funny. So there's a scene when um, Ash's hand gets possessed (laughs) and then proceeds to uh, go into the kitchen and smash all the crockery in the kitchen over Ash's head. So it's an incredible piece of physical acting from Bruce yeah. Campbell. Um, yeah, it's good acting. It's funny. All, all the while, while it's making funny little squeaking noises. <laughs> um, he then... Um, what does he do? Oh, yeah, so he cuts his own hand off with a chainsaw. Yes, he does. Whilst saying, Who's laughing now? Who's laughing now? <laughs> yeah, that's a little bit of a choke on a moment. There is definitely a choke on a moment there. And uh, then, in, I think in that same scene, or it might be just before that, all of the objects in the sort of living room of this cabin come to life and start laughing at him. So, like the deer, the deer's head on the wall turns and laughs, and the lampshade and the chair. Oh, yeah. and it's really weird, but incredibly yeah. funny. <coughs> Yeah, and he makes a virtue yeah. of of uh, having a missing hand by attaching the chainsaw in a in a fantastic instead. montage se- sequence where he goes to the workshed. <laughs> yeah. uh, in fact, there's an anecdote about that because he says in the film quite loudly in a piece of um, foley dialogue, not foley dialogue, looped dialogue. He says the word workshed, and then goes to the workshed. Um. And he said that uh, Bruce Campbell in an interview said that one time he was in somewhere on a, um, a studio backlot in Hollywood, probably Universal, because it's got a big backlot. And Kurt Russell walked up to him and, and, and said, say workshed. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, just say it. And he's like, workshed. <laughs> he's just laughing. He's just laughing his head off. Um... So yes, there's a fantastic montage where he goes to the workshed and he builds himself a what is it? A chainsaw that is attached to his arm. Mm-hmm. His now severed arm. And it's glorious. Yeah. Just incredible. It's the joy, the joy, absolute joy of it. And the in the building intensity, it, it has the same feeling as a film like Mother where Yes. Every scene is more extreme than the last and at, yes. at the end you're just exhausted. Yes, absolutely exhausting. And it even sets up a sequel at the end. Um, oh, does it have a still not dead moment? Um, still not dead? How do you mean? Well, that's that. That's, uh, many horror films end with a moment where you realise that they're not dead. Oh, okay. No, I think, everybody, I think everybody that dies in the movie, apart from Ash, is dead. <laughs> <coughs> but... Um, Ash gets sent like back a, in I feel time. like there's a little moment where something jumps at him and then he kills it again. Yeah, that's at the end of the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so he goes... Ash gets sent back in time with his boomstick, his um, shotgun, uh-huh. and his chainsaw. Uh, but he gets sent back to medieval, I think, England, possibly, somewhere in Europe, um, where he meets a deadite and blows its head off with a shotgun. <laughs> To which all of the all of the um, people on horseback are all worshiping him as a god because he's killed a deadite mm-hmm. with a boomstick. Um, so yeah, Evil Dead Two, terrific movie. It um, came out in eighty seven. 
It was a minor box office success, if you can believe that. Mm-hmm. Um, so it had a budget of 3.6 million, but only took 5.9, which I still find to be bizarre. I guess people weren't quite ready for the... Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's real, like, splatter gore. It really is. Yes. Horror. <laughs> it really is splattery, yeah. But and, it's funny. Uh, yeah, I was just wondering, like, can we recommend this to our listeners? And I think... Oh, yeah. I mean, if you if you don't like horror, you're going to find it really difficult to watch. Yeah, that's true. It is fun. But, yeah. you know, you should like horror. You should, yes. It's really good. Yes, definitely. <laughs> and this film will show you that. Um, on Rotten Tomatoes, it's got a rating of 98%. Wow. Which is good. It says it's increased special effects and slapstick gore make it as good, if not better, than the original. I think it's I think it's way better than than the original. Hmm. Uh, it it's it's it kind of shows what um, Brain Dead. What's the other film? Brain Dead and the oh, other. Uh, ooh, what the Peter Jackson movies? Yeah. What's it called? What's the other one called? Brain Dead's the sequel, I think. Yes. What is it called? Um, I mean, they're they're fun and they're funny. Yeah. But they, they're really trying to live up to something like Evil Dead 2. And I they, thought they were underwhelming. They, they don't stand up yeah. against a film like that. I thought it was okay, but underwhelming. I was expecting something really, like, not my socks off great, and, and that's mm. not what I got. But yeah, yes. so there's a lot of influence on stuff like that. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I mean, there's a huge influence on uh, Ben Wheatley's movies, I think. Um, I can see an influence of this on Prevenge that we talked about on this podcast. Right, which I haven't seen. In terms of the like the splattery gore and the slightly comic tone. I'm glad that my pronunciation of that has now roughed up on you. Prevenge! Yeah. Prevenge! <laughs> um, cool. It's a great film. It's and a great film. It has film. that line about... Maybe then we'll lock you up in the cellar. Oh yes, that actually so that so the the guy that's in the fat suit playing the deadite in the cellar is Ivan Raimi, who's Sam Raimi's brother, <laughs> who frequently gets um, treated very badly in his movies. <laughs> so he gets blood and gore thrown at him, and you know mm-hmm. gets put in a fat suit, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> cool. Yeah. So um, if you if you absolutely hate horror films, you will um, hate. You don't this. like being scared. Yes. Um, but you've decided because you've been listening to the series uh, that you're going to give it a go. Yeah. Consider Evil Dead Two. It's going to terrify you. It's going to horrify you. But it's going to fill you with energy and joy. Yeah, it's an incredible film. It really is an incredible film. So that's number nine. That's number nine. What's number eight? Number eight <coughs> is a 1968. American psychological horror film written and directed by Roman Polanski. Oh, I should probably know this, but I don't think I do. It's called Rosemary's Baby. Oh, I've seen it, I've seen it. Mm. I didn't know it was a Polanski. <coughs> yes, it is. Um, so it's based on a novel by Ira Levin. Ira Levin also wrote... The Stepford Wives, mm-hmm. which is also adapted into a film. Um, the cast features Mia Farrow, 
John Cassavetes, Ruth Gordon, Sydney Black, Blackmer, Maurice Evans, Ralph Bellamy, Angela Dorian, Clay Tanner, and in his feature film debut, Charles Grodin. And the film chronicles the story of a pregnant woman who suspects that an evil cult wants to take her baby for use in their rituals. Mm-hmm. So, yes, all the way back to 1968, this is an early Polanski movie. I didn't realise it was that old. Yeah, it is, yeah. And it feels sort of contemporary with The Omen or something. It really does, yeah. So that it deals with themes related to paranoia, women's, women's liberation, Christianity, specifically Catholicism, and the occult. Um, and it is a profoundly unsettling piece of work, but it is also quite funny. Yeah, um, yeah it's kind of unintentionally in, funny. Well, no, I think it's intentionally funny, actually. Okay. I think, it, uh, and the reason why I say that is because Ira Levin is such a he's such a master of um, creating a strange, unsettling feeling in a very mundane setting. Mm-hmm. So, the Stepford Wives is an example of that. Yeah. Uh, but also in that you think that there's something weird going on, but the thing that's weird that's going on is not the thing that you thought it was. Mm-hmm. So, you know, uh, Rosemary arrives at this apartment block in New York that um, she and her husband have acquired, uh, even though, uh, you know, there's this strange sort of class system with apartments in New York. You know, you've got to be you've got to be sized up by the current inhabitants to make sure that you're worthy of staying there. Okay. And she feels massively out of step with everybody. She feels like an alien, and she Mm -hmm. thinks that they're out to get her in some way. And of course, they are indeed Mm -hmm. out to get her in some way, but not in the way that she thinks they are. So, you know, she feels socially awkward around them, and she doesn't really fit in, uh, which is a good way to feel, because of course they are occultists or occultists or however you pronounce it um, and the Stepford Wives is a similar kind of plot in that um, everything seems a bit weird and you think that the women in the movie are a bit strange and it turns out that they are indeed a bit strange but probably not in the way that you thought they were i.e. they are fembots yeah so it's like a um it's like your social anxiety is made real. Right? Yes, exactly. Yes, yeah. so that's a, that. That is a very good way of putting it. Yeah. So the, both stories are social anxiety made flesh. You know, made real. Um, and yeah, I think Rosemary's Baby is is very funny. It's very unsettling. It manages to weave a spell that is quite intoxicating at times, because although you know we as the as the viewers, uh, you know, if you came to this movie cold and you knew nothing about it, you'd, want, you'd think, I'm not really sure what's going on here. Um, but I do know that it's a bit weird and that it's quite unsettling. Yeah. Um, but it is fantastic. It, you know, it features quite an early performance from Mia Farrow, mm-hmm. uh, who at that time was married to Frank Sinatra. And and Sinatra famously delivered divorce papers to her on the set of Rosemary's Baby. Nice. Which I'm sure she was thrilled about. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
so yeah, it's a fantastic and unsettling, but very, very classily made horror movie. And it's it's completely from the point of view of a woman, which yes. must be almost unique in this list. I think that's a very un- that's a very good point, and it's very unusual. Yes. Um, so I think when I watched it, I wasn't really thinking in those terms. These days, I think about that stuff quite a lot. Yeah, I do as well. Yeah. When I watched it, I probably just thought, oh, this is a bit weird. <laughs> and now I'd be thinking uh, how interesting and helpful it is to be try- experiencing the world through uh, the eyes of a woman. Yes. Uh, unusual and interesting. Exactly. And, and it's only really doing that because it's about pregnancy fear, you know, like the... Um, Yes. What is this yes. thing growing inside me? Yes, exactly. Yeah, she she knows that something is wrong, but she doesn't know what it is. Um, and there's a wonderful. That's how a lot line. of films got their um, female protagonists, right? Because that's that's maybe why also why yeah. the alien films have a female protagonist. Yes, yes. Although I think that is by not by design. I think I'm right in saying that the character of Ripley was originally written for a man. Really, <coughs> I think so. In a very That's early a iteration, so, you know, not, um, I'm not saying that they switched it for Sigourney Weaver specifically, but I think in a very mm. early iteration of the script, it was a male crew member. All right, well, anyway, we shouldn't talk about um, other no. films in case they crop up. Indeed. So, um, there's a wonderful line at the end when the leader of the of the cultists says about the baby he has his father's eyes which is <laughs> <laughs> which is wonderful yeah so and it's also yeah so it like so advice for listeners especially listeners nervous about horror yeah if if the kind of religious demonic stuff is the stuff that freaks you out you know i was saying i was saying the other day uh, ghost stuff freaks me out and also some of the some of the sort of religious stuff freaks me out as well, like in The Exorcist. Mm. Um, yeah, if the religious stuff freaks you out, Rosemary's Baby is going to really scare you. It's going to put the willies up you. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. It's properly scary. Properly scary. But it, it is, is psychological. You described it as a psychological horror, didn't you? It is yeah. definitely that, yeah. But it is very, very well made. It's like an hour and a half of feeling incredibly uncomfortable. Yes. And then like realizing a really awful Seinfeld episode, <laughs> and then realizing that you've given birth to the to the son of Satan. Yeah, and then the last five minutes is just unadulterated um, terror. Terror. Yeah, basically. Yeah, uh, it's yeah, it's terrific. And realizing that everyone really was out to get you. And yeah, and that, and I think that is the, I think, you know, once you get past the fact that you've been scared stupid, and made to feel very unsettled, you start to see how subtle the movie is <laughs> in that you know I'll just go back over over the plot again but she feels like people are out to get her and it turns out that they are mm-hmm. yeah. so that reminds me of society mm. so we always talk about society when we talk about paranoia films yeah and her husband is in on in on the conspiracy um, and he's the one who's constantly saying to her no it's all in your mind you know there's nothing wrong and all this kind of thing and of course, she trusts him until she doesn't trust him anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's this is a spoilerific podcast. Uh, you, we're definitely spoiling this one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She gives birth to the spawn of Satan. Yes, yes. Yeah, it's it's a 
Rosemary's Baby is a treat, I think. <laughs> I've only seen it once and I really enjoyed it. I'm not sure I could be bothered to see it again. It's very uncomfortable. Mm. Yeah, it is. Definitely uncomfortable. Uh, it had a budget of 3.2 million. Right. And it took 33.4, which is pretty good. Wow. So that was that before people took against horror films? Or? Yeah, this was a very popular movie. I think because it, I, the book was very popular, so right, right. it came off the back of that and um, okay. was a huge success. So is, this, is that interesting? Are we seeing it in, this, in the statistics of these two films we talked about, mm. like a little bit of historical progression from Rosemary's Baby being quite popular and then Evil Dead 2 being in the video nasty time and everyone yeah, wanting to stay away. Yeah, Evil Dead 2 is not a video nasty, though. It's, but um, it's that. I mean, it's it, it, it would have been accused of that, surely. No, it wasn't. It wasn't. Uh, Evil Dead was, definitely. Right. Uh, okay. Evil Dead 2 is most definitely played for laughs. Yeah, but would the relevant people have <laughs> seen that? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's in that era. Definitely. So that's the James Furman era of the BBFC. Mm-hmm. Um, Furman, who famously withdrew The Exorcist, wouldn't give it a certificate for, for home video mm-hmm. uh, until he retired, and then it was promptly given a certificate. <laughs> so yeah, th- so the, yeah, the video nasty era of the 1980s is very much James Furman's era. Okay, but he let this one through. Yeah, Evil Dead 2. It's, um, it's comic horror. And that's mainly due to the aforementioned any colour of blood as long as it's not red. Uh And there's a lot of it as well. (laughs) It's mostly black. Mostly black. There's some green as well, which is weird. (laughs) Yeah. Cool. I just dropped a thing. Okay. You'll hear that on the recording. I heard that. So, um, should we move on to number seven? Yeah, so that was number eight. What's number seven? Number seven is... Uh, let me give you the skinny on this one. Uh, this is from 1974, and it is an American horror film directed by Toby Hooper. 74. Hmm. Don't know. Okay, well this... I should be able to, I should be able to guess all these, because I've presumably heard of them all. This is one of only two slasher movies on the list. And it's Is the, it? Yeah, go on. The Nightmare on Elm Street. It is not. No, that's later. That's later than 74. Uh, this is the Texas Chainsaw so. Massacre. Ah, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Yeah, I haven't seen it. Ah, okay. So I have seen this quite a few years ago now. Uh, mm-hmm. I kind of avoided it for many years, thinking it was going to mm-hmm. be horrible and exploitative. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was pleasantly to surprised to find that it is an incredibly well-made horror movie. That, um, although it does feature the final girl in the shape of Marilyn Burns, because obviously it's a slasher movie, mm-hmm. it also manages to be, as I said, you know, just fantastically well-made for the budget, and hangs together incredibly well, mm-hmm. and manages to be thoroughly nasty without actually really showing any blood at all mm, yeah I think you or someone else has said that before yeah that you there's very little there's very seen. little I think the only I, I think I have said this before is that the only time you see any 
is when the protagonist of the film, who's a character called Leatherface, he cuts his own leg with the chainsaw, and we see a little bit of blood. Mm-hmm. But apart from that, you don't really see anything. Um, so this came out in '74. So you said so he so the protagonist is the murderer. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Um. Uh. Sorry. Can we define what we mean by protagonist before I carry on? Well, like it's from his point of view, or he's sympathetic. Uh, yeah, I think it kind of is. Yeah. Um, so this was directed by Toby Hooper and written and co-produced by Hooper and Kim Henkel. It stars Marilyn Burns, Paul A. Partain, Edwin Neal, Jim Seedow, and Gunnar Hansen, who plays Leatherface, who respectively portray... Uh, I know we won't go into um, who they play, but he plays Leatherface, and Marilyn Burns plays a character called Sally Hardesty. So the film follows a group of friends who fall victim to a family of cannibals while on their way to visit an old homestead. Although it was marketed as a true story to attract a wider audience and as a subtle commentary on the era's political climate, its plot is entirely fictional. However, the character of Leatherface and minor plot details were inspired by the crimes of real-life murderer Ed Gein, who I have heard of. I think I avoided it because... I thought it was based on a true story, and I found that unpleasant. Well, that's interesting, isn't it? So, the, so they manufactured that. Mm. Um, the film was produced for less than a hundred and forty thousand dollars. Well, <laughs> I'm just going to see what it took that's at good. the box office. Uh, Thirty point nine million, which is quite a return. Yes, um, that's incredible, isn't it? So at yes. the time, it took 39 point uh, equivalent. So that's equivalent with roughly over 150.8 million as of now. Mm-hmm. Um, so now it would have cost 700,000 mm-hmm. and still returned an incredible return. Yeah. It sold over 16.5 million tickets in 1974. Um, so... He limited, the director Toby Hooper, limited the quantity of on-screen gore in hopes of securing a PG, but the MPAA rated it R, as it, I think the um, BBFC rated it X in this country. So even though there's lucky not much, to get it rated PG. Yeah, it would, wouldn't you? Yeah. I, I think he was hoping there, to be honest. Uh-huh. Um, or is that PG, do they have PG-13? Maybe it means that. I don't yeah, I don't think there was a PG-13 back then, though. Okay. Upon its October release, it was banned outright in several countries and numerous theatres later stopped showing the film in response to complaints about its violence. While it initially drew a mixed reception, it was highly profitable. Um, it has since received a positive reappraisal and gained a reputation as one of the best and most influential horror films in cinema history. It well, is- I mean, if it, could, if it could make people ban it... If it was so effective that it got banned when it didn't really show any violence on screen. Exactly. Yeah, it's interesting that, isn't it? So so there is only one real bit of blood, and yet people banned it. I think that's largely to do with the title, which is very provocative. Mm-hmm. Um, and it sounds like a, a true life story. Yes, it does. Um, it's credited with originating several elements common in the slasher genre, including the use of power tools... Mm-hmm. The characterization of the killer as a large, hulking, faceless figure, 
mm-hmm. that's something that will repeat over and over in the slasher yeah. genre. And the killing of the victims in a certain way. Uh, the popularity of the film led to a franchise that continued the story of Leatherface and his family through sequels, prequels, a remake, comic books and video games. I've only seen this one. Mm-hmm. I know that there's at least one sequel to this that was made by Toby Hooper with Dennis Hopper, funnily enough, is in that. Mm-hmm. And there's at least two sequels, possibly a remake more recently from Platinum Dunes. Mm-hmm. Um, so I saw this probably about 10 years ago. It was on TV. I recorded it. I thought, okay, I've got to watch this. You know, I've got to watch this movie and see what it's all about. See if mm-hmm. it's as if it's as nasty as I think it's going to be and exploitive as I think it's going to be. And I was so surprised that it wasn't. I mean, sure, yeah. It's a pretty gruey story of a group of friends who get set up on by cannibals, but it isn't particularly exploitive in a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a film that hangs together really well and is incredibly well made. So if it wasn't, if it didn't hang together well and it wasn't well made, it wouldn't be the success that it is now, I don't think. Yeah. Um, or, or it's notorious. Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, it is uh, an utterly iconic piece of piece of uh, cinema. Um, and although it is a slasher movie, and I'm not a fan of that genre at all, really, this film kind of transcends that by having this weird cannibal family as, as the sort of um, central protagonists of the movie. They're kind of compelling, even though they're really messed up and horrible. Um. <laughs> And certainly, you know, Marilyn Burns, who plays the the female victim, is is kind of a supporting character to all the weirdness that goes on in the film. Mm-hmm. And that's an interesting choice there. <clears throat> and that may be why it's endured so much, because I think that if she was a character to be exploited, then I don't think I would have enjoyed it as much as I did. Mm-hmm. It's a very cleverly made movie. And certainly Toby Hooper... Would, would never go on to make anything as good as this. He is credited with directing Poltergeist from the 1980s, a film mm-hmm. that I like a great deal. I think that it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Although he's credited with the directing it, um, opinion of people who were on set said that Steven Spielberg actually directed the movie right, and right. Toby Hooper wasn't around that much. Right. And that does kind of make sense because Poltergeist is a very well-made film. That you does have Spielberg, you can yeah. imagine Spielberg making it, yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah. that's interesting what you say about characters because if we think about slasher films, like something like I know what he did last summer or something like that. Yeah. Um, the bad guy is almost not present in most of those films. Right. Yes. There's certainly often they don't have any kind of character. Okay. They're just something that you see when you shut your mirror, the mirror cabinet in the yes, bathroom. Yes, that's a good one. The mirror cabinet or when you close the door yeah, uh, and suddenly they're there. Yeah, so they're behind in, it. in Chainsaw Massacre, the bad guys are very much front and centre. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And they're actual characters. That's interesting. Yes, they are actually characters. Yes. Although Leatherface is a big hulking presence carrying a chainsaw and power tools and, st- and that kind of thing. 
he is very much front and centre of the action. He's not a shadowy figure who comes and goes during the movie. Um, so, like, the, the kids who are... Um, who sort of wander into this situation are very much supporting characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very much so. And I think that's what makes it different and interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a very famous shot of Gunnar Hansen as Leatherface holding his chainsaw above his head, uh, backlit against the sun, that's actually mm-hmm. really, you know, it's really well shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can see, you can tell that they've actually despite the fact that they only spent $140,000 on it, they've really thought through how to make a movie. Right. It's interesting. It's almost like it was before they knew the rules, so they didn't yeah. know that they, they weren't supposed to do that. I think that's definitely the case. You know, it's from 74, so it predates um, things like Halloween and Friday the 13th, which I mm-hmm. think are the, you know, for me would be the the parents of the slasher movie mm-hmm. uh, whereas this is the granddaddy of the slasher movie mm-hmm. um, and it, it reminds me of Psycho that um, Psycho focuses on the killer yes um, it, it very much does yeah and that's what makes Psycho compelling yeah and that's that's not the way it went with no. later films in the genre no it no it isn't and although um, although you know the sequels to those slasher movies like the Friday the 13th and Halloween sequels they claim to focus on the killer, but actually they don't. Not really. Yeah. Not really. It's all about someone. Someone has been morally uh, unclean, so they get yeah. killed. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. There isn't really a sense of that in this film. There's no sense that these kids have been morally unclean. I was going to ask that. Yeah. 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 No, not really. So they're just on a road trip. Because you've got a bit of that in Psycho. Oh yeah, but yeah. She's on the run, isn't she? Yeah. yeah. Yep. So yeah, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Let's have a look at the response. It received a mixed mixed reviews. Linda Gross of the LA Times called it despicable and described Henkel and Hooper as more concerned with creating a realistic atmosphere than with its plastic script. That's reasonable. <laughs> yeah, I think that's actually a compliment because the atmosphere is very realistic. <laughs> Roger Ebert said it was violent and gruesome and blood-soaked as the title promises, yet praised its acting and technical execution. So that's that's pretty even-handed. Mm-hmm. Um, Patrick Taggart of the Austin American Statesman held it as the most important horror film since Night of the Living Dead. I think that's fair. Yeah, I think that is a fair thing to say. So yes, it, I I'd, I wouldn't say those reviews are mixed. I'd only say that one of those was some um, negative. Um, and John McCarthy of watch it. John McCarthy of Cine Fantastique stated that the house featured in the film made the Bates Motel look positively pleasant by comparison. So yeah, cultural impact is huge, a major influence on horror movies. A new standard for slasher films was also called. Uh, the st- yeah, I mean the the, yeah. the faceless thing that is. Uh, That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah, huge, cause, isn't it? Because actually, both Jason and Michael Myers, you cannot see their faces; they're behind a mask. Yeah. yeah. 
It's almost standard, isn't it? Yeah. You know, like the Scream Mask as well. The know. Scream Mask. And Freddy... It's the same thing. Freddy from Nightmare on Elm Street, his face is obscured by scar tissue. I right, think. yeah, he does have a face. He does have a face, though. Yeah. Yeah. Um... It was inducted in 1990 into the Horror Hall of Fame with director Toby Hooper accepting the award. It's part of the permanent collection of the New York City's Museum of Modern Art. Oh, really? Yes. And it was named by critics in the British Film Institute's Sight and Sound magazine as one of the 250 greatest films of all time. Wow. Yeah. I'm really feeling the need to make my own top 30, or perhaps the top 10. Uh, I think you should do that. But sticking to the 20th century is going to require checking up on myself. You'll have to... uh, Well, I mean, you could do some of the films that we've already done. Yeah. But um, pull out some stuff that you're interested in. Yeah. So that is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Hugely I guess I should watch it. I don't feel that excited to watch it. Well, I would say that you should watch it. I think that it is uh, a very Im- a, 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 a culturally a very important movie. Is it entertaining? Yeah, very entertaining. Much Why? more entertaining. Because it's scary? Yeah, it's scary and unsettling and voyeuristic. And it's certainly much more entertaining than you might think it might be. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There you go. So that was, that was 9, 8 and 7. Yes. So next time, we're into the top six. So next time, we're going to do six and five. Yeah. And then the next time, we're going to do four four and three. And then after that, two and one. We're going to do two. And then one. And then one. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Is that what we're going to do? I think we should do that, yeah. Cool. Let's do that. Yeah. So we'll do two each and then, yeah. A couple of doubles. Yes. And a couple of singles. Yes. Coming up. Yeah, and certainly the next two movies, well, yeah, and the two after that definitely warrant more time to talk about them. Awesome. There we go. Well, so we've definitely, we've ticked off Evil Dead, which was definitely going to need to be up there for me. Yes. Were you surprised that Rosemary's Baby was in there? Um, It wouldn't be as high for me. Mm -hmm. I mean, your criteria are quite different. Yeah. Because I've realised that my criteria are basically how much it entertained me. Hmm, okay. And your criteria are about how important it is and stuff like that. So yeah, that's yeah. It's different. Yeah, but that's because I'm a bit up myself. Yeah. You're not supposed that's to agree with me. That's what I was trying to say. I was dancing around that. You're not supposed to agree with me on that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Cool. Uh, should we do some plugging? <laughs> How's that? Sorry? Should we do some plugging? Plugging, plugging, plugging. Okay, I'll do some plugging. Okay. Um, uh, I, oh, I haven't got anything to plug. Oh, yes, I have. I've been making some YouTube videos again after um, a bit of a break. Um, uh, I made some videos about the Go Dot game engine. Did I mention this on the last podcast? I no. don't think you did. No. So the Go Dot game engine is yeah I did I, I mentioned it briefly anyway it's a it's a game engine where you have to write some code but you also drag some things around and draw shapes and things and it ah, gives you a lot of yes it yes. it gives you objects that can bounce off each other and stuff like that yep. um, for free uh, it seems really cool I'll be making some videos about like how to get started making games in that um, definitely worth a look I'm working on I've been really really enjoying writing 
uh, a talk and video about character sets. Ah, oh, um, yes. Like characters and like spe- like the way that we currently in the modern world deal with all characters, including like all the emojis and uh, all the different Chinese characters and uh, all the other languages that have um, non-Latin characters. Mm. Um, and I've been finding it utterly fascinating. <laughs> and I, I've, I'm going to give a talk about it at, um, at my work and then I'll make a YouTube video of the same thing. Cool. But they, I've got an hour slot for that talk. An hour? At the moment, yeah, at the moment I've got 58 slides. <laughs> so <laughs> I need to do just over, just under one slide a minute. Wow. We'll see how that goes. <laughs> Anyway, there's a lot. There's a lot. I've been that's loving it. I've been slides. really enjoying it. That's an hour <laughs> on character sets. Well, that's nothing. I had to cut a whole section out. They must really love it, you to, to give it. you an hour to talk about character sets. <laughs> well, they don't get. Like, no one has to turn up if they don't want to. No, fair enough. Yeah. But um, hopefully they will. Yeah, hopefully they will. I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I, I've been honestly. I I I quite enjoy preparing talks, but this one I've been utterly loving. It's such fun. There's so many weird little... Anyway. <laughs> Check out my YouTube channel if that kind of thing really... Um, nice. ...floats your boat. Nice. Okay. <laughs> That's it for my plucking. So, I present a radio show on Glastonbury FM 107.1 in the Glastonbury Street and Wells area of Somerset. Uh, it goes out on a Thursday evening between 6 and 7pm. It's movie reviews, DVD picks... What's on at local venues, uh, lots of music, uh, movies that are on TV at the weekend, which apparently people find useful, that I trawl through the listings and pick things out for them. Um, yeah, I should listen to that. However, I am I am stopping hosting the radio show. In, no, yes, why? In December. Um, I'm finding... Well, maybe, I, maybe I shouldn't ask you why. Uh, I'm finding that it's difficult for me to compile everything and produce a really quality show. It's a lot of effort. It's a lot of effort, uh, and um, our family's getting bigger. So, mm-hmm. our, you know, time is time is of the essence. Time is limited mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. precious. So, um, so if I was yeah. if I was a listener, I'd be feeling worried at this point that um, the good robot Andes was under threat. Is is the good robot Andes under threat? It's definitely not under threat. No. Um, oh, what, that's good news. I mean, basically, it? though, you know, what stopping the show means for me is that I get to watch more television. Because <laughs> currently, you know, I've set myself a goal of watching three movies a week, which I manage to do pretty much every week. Wow! But that means that my TV watching is very limited. So I'm looking forward to catching up with loads of really good quality television. Well, there might even be some good Robot Andes is about television. Well, I think there probably should be because TV's where it's at. Mm-hmm. Um, there's some good TV. There's some really good TV around. Um, so you know, uh, no, it doesn't affect us. I think uh, we will continue to pod about things. Yeah, I mean, we do the podcast purely because we enjoy doing it. Yeah, exactly. But at the moment, yeah. we're still enjoying doing it. I'm really so, enjoying yeah. doing it. Yeah. yeah. Um, it also means that you know I haven't done the highlights for the show to my own to podcast feed for movie mashup for ages, just because time constraints. Mm. Um, so I'm looking forward to. Uh, you know, just doing a quick podcast every week to push to that feed mm-hmm, and keeping mm-hmm. my listeners. So that's happy. what you're going to do. You're going to carry on that the pod. People who are subscribed to that the other podcast, yes, they're going to still get 
content. In fact, they might get a bit more content. They might get a bit more content, yeah, because I won't have to edit the show down, mm-hmm. which is, mm-hmm. you know, it's a task in itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, more content is coming to the podcast feed, which is cool. So stay subscribed to that one, listener. Yeah, don't don't unsubscribe, because although I haven't posted for a while, I will be. My uh, my wife's been listening to the um, Adam Buxton podcast. Oh, I really like him, yeah. And he has a little song. Like and subscribe, like and <laughs> yeah. subscribe. Like and subscribe. And also the, yeah, the so, first one as well, so which listener. is... Um, I added one more podcast to the giant podcast bin. Now you have plucked that podcast out and started listening. Then there's some harmonies. <laughs> I found a microphone and found some human folk. Then I recorded all the noises as they spoke. My name is Adam Buxton. I'm a man. Yeah, stop doing an advert for Adam Buxton. <laughs> yeah, it's really good. I listened to his um, interview with Louis Theroux today. Yeah, she's been listening to that. Which was very yeah. funny. He is really funny. It makes you think. There's one reason why some people are paid to do this stuff. Oh, yeah. They do, he does a yearly thing with Joe Cornish. And it just reminds you why Adam and Joe were just comedy gold when they were on Channel 4. <laughs> do you remember their... Um, they used to do stuffed toy versions of movies. I never watched or listened to it, the Adam and Joe show. Oh, it was so good. They did Titanic, which was amazing. <laughs> anyway the point of that whole interlude is like and subscribe i don't think you really can like this podcast i don't know can you like it on itunes you can you can re- rate okay. and review is um well yeah rate and review yeah. like and subscribe yeah um and let us know you're there yes through the medium of the internets yes and although we don't get anything personally from you liking subscribing or rating and reviewing us we don't get any money or you know sort of diamond encrusted um things <laughs> unless you send them to us i mean what, if you yeah, send us some yeah. crusty crusty diamonds then we're always you know you can send us money or diamond encrusted things yeah. um what it does mean is that other people might find the podcast because of the way that itunes do their do their thing, thing. if people Algorithm. rate and review then it then it sort of raises the profile so I've been thinking, you know, because you know we're a movie and tech podcast. We haven't done a tech one for a while, though, have we? You know how um, I've got a problem with Facebook? Yes. So, you know what I think we should do a tech podcast about? Yes. I think we should do a tech podcast no, about... No, I don't. What, what is my problem with Facebook, right? I think that your problem with Facebook has been thrown into... Well, not thrown into relief, but certainly... Confirmed. So I want to talk Recently. about what is the problem with Facebook. I want to talk about algorithms and behaviour modification. That's good. I think that would be interesting for listener, um, who may so well be on we'll Facebook, one of them. to hear about that from this podcast. Because I think this podcast makes information like that easy to understand. Mainly, <laughs> well, at least it forces it down your throat because well, you thought they were movies. <laughs> mainly because I go, so what's that then? How does that no, work? What? What? <laughs> Is it, is it a movie? <laughs> That's the idea. If it's not a movie. I can't understand it. Well, this, yeah, this, this, that's what the role reversal is all about. Normally, that's my role. Yes. It's like, what? Is that a computer? What? Is that a computer? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about it. what programming language that that film reminds me of. What? Things like that. Programming language? 
I've seen hackers. I know what a programming language is. <laughs> yeah. I've seen war yeah. games. It's like that. It's, it's real. Like, it's, it's pretty. It's like war games. Yeah, it's really like war games because like, like often there's a black a screen game. with um, light coloured writing on it. Yeah, and you know, to get the internet, you have to get your phone and stick it on a modem. Yeah, like they do in war games. Yeah, this character set stuff. It's like it just takes you back to, like it's a, it's what the internet's really made of. I love it. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> you clearly do anyway. love it. My favourite character at the moment is um, CJK Radical Mother. That's fascinating. Um, although that's closely followed by... Um, I can't remember the full name of it. Hmm. It's like White Horizontal... Something... Penticular or something... Bracket. But the thing I like about it is... Bracket, bracket. The word bracket is misspelled in its name. <laughs> and they can't change the name. It's like the canonical, canonical name forever. Ah. Um, so it has an alias, which is the correct spelling of bracket. But its official canonical name has the word bracket misspelled in it. And oh. I just really, really like that. <laughs> I think that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. It's stuff like that. <laughs> just that was just to give you a flavour of uh, you know the kind of treats you might enjoy if you <laughs> found my YouTube channel. Dude. I think the listeners probably zoned out by now. <laughs> Let's try and drag yeah. them back for the end. <laughs> okay, so if there's anyone still there, uh, like and subscribe. Um, yes. You can tweet us. You can toot us on Mastodon. Um, there's some kind of Facebook thing, but I wouldn't know about that. Yeah, um, there's there's a good old fashioned blog with comments. You don't have to log in. You could leave a comment. Just type in your name or make one up. Yeah, make one up. Like good robot, other person. Good robot, other person. <laughs> That's about the clumsiest Hashtag, thing I've ever said. I think we're all good robots. Hashtag now. get involved. Good robot, other person. Dot com. Um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so um, find our blog. You can find it by uh, simply duck duck going for duck, the duck, Good Robot duck, Andes. Duck, duck. Or, you know, if you're following us on Twitter, then probably our Twitter profile links to the website. I don't know. I think it does. Yeah. Probably. I'll look. Anyway, you, um, you can find us. It, it would be nice to get comments on the blog. You know, that's our bit of the internet. It doesn't belong to someone else. It belongs to us. Yeah. So come along and talk to us on it. And as you've already heard, we will read them out. We definitely will read them out because like, we get like one every three months. Yeah, so we'll definitely read it out and we'll discuss it. And But we want more. Mm. Because as I've said before on this podcast, even though we do this for ourselves, we really want your love. We crave your approval. We crave your approval. If you criticise us in any way, we'll probably achieve some kind of dual complex that lasts for the rest of our lives. Yeah, well, I think I've already got that. Well, a new one, I mean. Oh, a new one? What, to add yeah. to all the others? Yeah. <laughs> I just checked, and our Twitter profile does link to our website. Okay, okay so you can good. just click on it. You don't even have to type it in. You don't even have to type it in. That's if you're on Twitter. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Actually, you know what? You can't toot us on Mastodon, because it, it's not the good robot Andy's on Mastodon. It's just me on Mastodon. Anyway, you can find me on Mastodon. Sound. There's links. Fail sound. Maybe... When when there is a Fediverse podcast thing, because there's now a YouTube equivalent called PeerTube, which is all federated and cool and nice. Ah. Um, when there's a podcast one, we will definitely join it. But at the moment, I'm not aware of one. So okay. 
Do toot me if you know of one, listener. Yeah, please do. I think we've gone on too long. I think you're right. I think we should probably sign off now. Uh, that was awesome. I look forward to numbers six and five. Okay, I'm doing a triple rimmer salute. He is, listener. He's not just saying that. I can see him doing it. <laughs> there you go. See you next time. Yeah, see you. Bye. Bye. Bye.